0: I would go out tonight, but there's a new episode of Reaction Brats.
1: Once again, back is the incredible Reaction Brats podcast. I'm David. I'm Robin. And you are you, our faithful listener. Sticking by us through thick and thin. Uh, how you doing Rob?
2: I'm well David, how are you?
1: I'm not too bad. If you're paying attention you might have noticed that we did not have an episode two weeks ago. We did not. Why is that?
2: I don't know, I think things got busy. We got a little bit busy with some yard work and some work work and some kid work and all that stuff. Life. Life got busy, you know? Yeah,
1: see, it's summertime. I want to have fun. I don't want to be cooped up in the office editing podcasts.
2: Well, and when you are cooped up in the office, you're doing other stuff. You had some other stuff. You were doing some work for Jordan. You were doing some, like, what's your music video games called?
1: (laughs) What? My music video (laughs) games.
2: You know what I mean. I'm just teasing you. Oh, Ableton. Yes.
1: Oh, my art? Yes. My creative endeavor? My music?
2: Yes, that's what I mean. It's a game to you. Well... You spend a lot of time up here doing that. So what? Making beats. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's good.
2: I'm just saying, it's in place of like when other husbands are doing video games, you're doing Ableton.
1: Oh, okay. That's Obviously, fair, is it not? It's fair. Ableton's yeah. a little. It's a little better than playing video games, making music.
2: It's. I would much rather you be doing that than
1: playing video playing games. video games. Yeah. For sure, I agree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was also doing some artwork for a friend's new record, mm-hmm. and uh, there's always something to do. And it's nice out. at summertime, and uh, you know.
2: And you're into like the lawn and the yes. the garden, and you're just. A, a busy guy these days.
1: I'm at the age where I enjoy doing the yard work. I love it, and I will do the yard work, and uh, I'll have a good old time doing it. It's nice. It's it's a stress reliever, and I like it when things look nice at the old house here.
2: We were happy to take a little break, a little yeah. reaction brats break.
1: And speaking of summertime fun, we had a little bit of summertime fun on the weekend, didn't we, Robin?
2: We sure did. Some might say too much summertime fun on the weekend.
1: Well, I might have accidentally shotgunned five. Beers.
2: Accidentally. Yeah. It wasn't our fault. We were having some people over.
1: For the first time. Who They, hadn't, they hadn't
2: seen the house.
1: Friends of ours had not been to the house in the entire time that we've been living here. So they came and uh, a couple of them decided to shotgun a beer or two. And I thought, maybe I'll try shotgunning a beer. I hadn't uh, had a drink of alcohol since last August. And I think this was a, if you're going to come back, come back in a big <laughs> way. So, uh, you know, shotgunned a good five or six beer and paid for it the next day. And this is day two of the hangover. And we continued. To pay for it.
2: Yeah, still paying for it. It was a fun time though.
1: Enjoyed some uh, Philly cheesesteaks that mm. I made a little recipe. I cooked it up on the barbecue there. And it was just a really nice night with really nice friends.
2: We've been living with two days of the hangover, but we've also been living with two days of those Philly cheesesteak leftovers. Good golly, Miss Molly. Mm, So good.
1: Delicious. But speaking of things that are so good.
2: The segues just keep coming. Where are you going here?
1: Let's talk about today's episode. Okay. Robin had an idea for this episode and uh, I'll let her explain.
2: Well, thanks, David. When this episode airs, it's June 21st, which means that yesterday was Father's Day. So this episode's for the Dads. This episode's for all the dads. This episode's to uh, say thanks to all the hardworking dads and the dad figures out there just doing their best. Everyone's winging it, so as long as you're doing your best winging it, we thank you. I have two kids who are lucky to have a pretty great dad and a pretty awesome Dave in their lives. I'm pretty happy about that. But this episode in particular is for our dads, my dad and your dad, who are no longer with us.
1: Dave Sr.
2: And Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Bill Wrabowski. Bill the first. Well, he wasn't even. He was a junior and a senior, I guess. There was a a line of Bill Wrabowski's.
1: Yeah, there's many a Dave Dunham. My dad's name was Dave, my brother Mike's middle name is David, mm-hmm. and and my first name is David, so popular name. Yeah. I, and my dad was fond of it apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Earlier in the week, we put out on the Instagram looking for what records reminded people of their dads, uh, which was fun. And then also, you know, when your kids grow up, what record are they going to say reminds them of their dad, which those were fun answers. And uh, I also asked my brother. So before recording this, I texted both my brothers saying, What records remind you of dad? And I got some good responses. Want to hear them?
1: Yeah. What did they say? What did Dan say first? Well, Dan is your younger brother.
2: Dan's my younger brother. Yeah. He responded with three. Things, cognac and baloney, bad out of hell,
1: and F Y C. Okay, so who's who there?
2: Well, first I thought that he was like messing with me, and I was like, "What the hell is cognac and baloney?" And so I googled it, thinking it was going to be like Weird Al or something. And it's Doug and the Slugs, there and I was go. like, <laughs> "Oh my god, totally! Yes, he listened to Doug and the Slugs, um bad out of hell, meatloaf, and Fine Young Cannibals." And I had completely forgotten that my dad did love the Fine Young Cannibals. What was the third record? Fine Young Cannibals.
1: The Ron the Cooked. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So those were the three that my brother, my little brother, had suggested. And then Bill, my older brother, so Bill Jr. Bill Jr. <laughs> he responded next with a big list. His list was Billy Joel, Piano Man, the Doobie Brothers, What Were Once Vices Are Now Habits, Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Meatloaf, Bad Outta Hell, Billy Joel, Glass Houses, Faces, A Nod Is as Good as a Wink, Rod Stewart, Every Picture Tells a Story, and Doug and the Slugs, Music for the Heart of Thinking. So interesting that they both remembered Doug and the Slugs. I didn't remember yeah, it at like... all until until they said it, and that's when it all came back to me. I don't really remember my dad liking some of this stuff, like. Kind of, I guess, Billy Joel. I don't really remember him being into the Doobie Brothers or even like Faces and Rod Stewart all that much. I do remember Doug and the Slugs and Meatloaf a lot, but my brother was four years older than me, and I think as we were a bit older, he was a lot closer to my dad than I was, so that could have a little bit to do with that it was an interesting relationship that I had with my dad you know my parents separated or divorced when I was like 11 or 12 and then after that he was an every other weekend dad which I think was pretty normal at that time during a divorce right for the dads to be an every other weekend kind of dad and then when I was 16 he kind of disappeared out of my life and then he died just as we were fixing things when I was 24 Mm -hmm. So I never really got to know him as an adult or even as a teenager. So my memories of him are so tightly wound with music. And it's music from when I was before I was twelve. Yeah. You know? So from what I remember of my dad, he was a hard working guy. He was a mechanic. He worked Monday to Friday, he went to work during the day. He came home and we ate dinner as a family. He watched TV on the weekends. He would go for a run. He'd come home and listen to the Beatles and I'd help him make breakfast and that was about it. Like we hung out with our neighbors. We didn't really do anything special. We just hung out in our neighborhood. Those are my memories with him, but I remember him really being into music and I can hear him singing certain songs and I can see him kind of dancing around the kitchen while he's making breakfast. And I remember he loved to vacuum the carpet and he wanted me to log roll along the carpet when he was done so that you didn't see the lines from the vacuum in it, you know? (laughs) He needed to get rid of those. I thought maybe
1: it was to pick up some cat hair to see if he'd (laughs) done a good job or not. Oh, there were no pets. Oh, There
2: were no pets in our house no no cat hair so Unlike maybe that's why house. i need two maybe that's why i need two cats
1: two best cats in the world shout out to otis and titus hey guys hey guys yum yum yum
2: so that was bill werbowski in a nutshell i feel like i would have more to say and know more about him if if i had known him beyond being 12 you mm-hmm. know and like i I remember him while he was the every other weekend dad, but I feel like that version of him was a bit sadder. You know, mm-hmm. I think that the divorce really kind of made him sad. And I think that he, I think maybe struggled to relate to me at that age. You know, I think we would go there and order pizza or Chinese food and watch wrestling, you know, with my little brother. He was two years younger than me. And I think that was fun, you know, but I, I don't know. That's just what we did. Was
1: Bill going at that point?
2: No. Bill also wasn't living with us at the time, you know, like with my mom. And it was just me and my little brother that would be going on those every other weekend. So I guess I should ask my brother, actually, why he wasn't going. But he and my brother must have, like my older brother, must have been spending their own time together. So I think that had I... Had I known my dad past that point, I would definitely have more stories and more things about his personality, you know, that I would have been able to share. But right now I have music and memories that are super intertwined with that music. And I would say more than any other music, it's Meatloaf, Bad Outta Hell.
1: Which is the record we're covering today.
2: It sure is. A few years ago, I bought this record, Used. I saw it at Revolution Records on Ottawa Street I bought it really just for the memories you know I was like ah this is my dad I have to buy this record and I remember coming home and feeling sentimental and putting it on and I think out of the like I don't know, 500, 600 records that we have. This probably gets played more than yeah, most. Like it does. I put this record on all the time mm-hmm. and not not just for sentimental reasons. I love this record. You love I love some, it. Love some loaf. <laughs> I, I love me some meatloaf. Yeah. I love it from start to finish. It's great.
1: One of the most metal album covers ever and the music inside is decidedly not metal. So not metal. Like I used to see this record cover now as a kid and was like, "Whoa." And then I heard Paradise by the Dashboard Light, and I was like, what? But, uh, well, do you want to get into it?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Hey, uh, Robin. Yeah, David. Yeah. What time is it? Time for Wikipedia time.
0: When you just want the fan, oh! it's Wikipedia time.
2: Michael Lee Aday, better known as Meatloaf, is an American singer and actor. He is noted for his powerful, wide-ranging voice and theatrical live shows. His Batted of Hell trilogy, Batted of Hell, Batted of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, and Batted of Hell 3, The Monster is Loose, has sold more than 40 million...
1: <laughs> nice album titles. <laughs> <laughs>
2: has sold more than 40 million albums worldwide. More than four decades after its release, the first album still sells an estimated 200,000 copies annually and stayed on the charts for over nine years, making it one of the best-selling albums in history.
1: And the record we're doing today is called "What
2: Bad at a Hell." Bat Out of Hell is the 1977 debut album by American rock singer Meatloaf and composer Jim Steinman. It was developed from a musical Neverland, a futuristic rock version of Peter Pan whose Steinman (laughs)
3: That sounds terrible.
2: which Steinman wrote for a workshop in 1974. The album was recorded during 1975-1976 at various studios including Bearsville Studios in Woodstock, New York produced by Todd Rundgren and released in October 1977 by Cleveland International Epic Records. Its musical style is influenced by Steinem's appreciation of Richard Wagner, Phil Spector, Bruce Springsteen, and The Who. Bad Out of Hell has spawned two Meatloaf sequel albums, Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, and ba- I can't say these albums have titles <laughs> again. Bad Out of
1: Hell 4. Big Old Bat.
2: Bat Out of Hell is one of the best-selling albums of all time, having sold over 50 million copies worldwide. It is certified 14-time platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. As of June 2019, it has spent 522 weeks in the UK albums charts. The second longest chart run by a studio album. Rolling Stone ranked it at number 343 on its list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. 343. Wow. I think it deserves something a little lower. I mean, higher. Higher. I lower? think it deserves something a little higher I on know the what chart. You mean. Yeah. It's like when I have to move the air conditioning. I have to like stop and think for a second. Like, do I need this to go higher or lower? It's always higher. I always need the air conditioning to go higher.
1: But you set the temperature lower, though. No,
2: I set the temperature higher. You set the temperature lower.
1: You set the thermostat to the temperature you, you want the air conditioner to reach. You're turning the temperature up to like 23, 24. The air conditioner shuts off.
2: Yes, I know. Thank you for explaining to me how temperature works.
1: So you're trying to turn the air conditioning off? Yep. Oh, okay.
2: It's way too cold in this house.
1: Oh. <laughs> that back album cover is awesome.
2: The back album cover is amazing. Um, let's just take a second to appreciate it, if you yeah. can. First, if we move from left to right, we have... Meatloaf. Yep, Mr. Loaf. Some people call meat.
1: I prefer Mr. Loaf. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we watched the classic records. Um, classic albums. Classic albums on...
1: Amazon Prime.
2: Amazon Prime. I'm so glad you're here. I wouldn't be able to string mm-hmm. a sentence together. Yeah. Uh, I forget everything. But so one night I was at home by myself and I watched the Meatloaf bat a hell episode of classic albums on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. and I loved it. But on that, they like his buddies refer to him as meat, and mm-hmm. I think that's so unnerving. I can't, I don't like it's meatloaf or it's nothing. <laughs> well, if
1: you're a buddy of his, you, you know, would you call, call him meat if that's what he prefers? I'll Gross. Call, call him no. whatever he wants.
2: Yeah, no. So on the left side, we have meatloaf looking dapper in a suit with suspenders, I guess, and some sunglasses, touching a lady's bum.
1: Yes, touching a lady's bum. Who is she's embracing a guy who just wandered in off the street. No, wait, that's Jim Steinman.
2: That's Jim Steinman. But her back is to us. We don't know who she is. She's, no. it's all very mysterious. I think
1: it's Shelly Long.
2: It might be. She's got a scrunchie. Um and then Jim Steinman looking um very small.
1: Looking like uh, he should be on some sort of registry.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He- he does look like that, doesn't that's he? Not, I'm not,
1: maybe I'll cut that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an
2: interesting choice for him to go with blue jeans. I'm not sure why he didn't pick black. No, that was rock
1: and roll, man. Blue jeans, apple it pie. It does
2: fit the aesthetic of the cover here. Well,
1: the aesthetic is very weird. Yeah. Anyway, so blue jeans are not... That's a disturbing photo.
2: It's a, it's a bit odd. Yeah. Um.
1: I don't yeah. like it, but... The front cover more than makes up for it.
2: I think that this is representing Jim Steinman, who's writing the songs. You know, he's just having, like, a loving embrace. And Mm -hmm. here's Meat, who is singing the songs, is actually, like, touching the Tushy. Yeah, because he gets know? the heiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's actually making the moves. He's
1: making the moves, but Jim Steinman gets the love because he's the He's the sensitive. Yeah, the tender artist with the tender heart. Yeah. Whereas Mr. Loaf's just he's all bravado. He's brash, he's bold, he's full of him and vigor. He's out there getting it done every night on that stage, leaving everything he has on that stage, giving it to the crowd. And uh that's what I loved about Loaf. I've always loved that about him.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Track number one, bat Outta hell. Like out of hell.
1: That's a rocker that one.
2: Ooh boy, is it ever. It's over
1: 8 minutes long. Yes. The record is very theatrical. These guys come from a theater background. Jim Jim Steinman, Meatloaf, they come from the theater. So this album is like a musical almost. Oh, it totally is. Mm -hmm. They're a bunch of theater nerds. Yeah.
2: Battle to Hell is actually nine minutes and 50 seconds. Wow. It's almost 10 minutes long.
1: That's a long one. What
2: a way to open a record.
1: Mm -hmm. I like that one. It it rocks.
2: Yeah, I love it. I think it's a good opener. I think um, what we learned in classic albums was that Jim Steinman wanted to write a car crash song because he was a big fan of car crash songs. Tell Laura I love her, leader of the pack. What he didn't mention was Detroit Rock City, but I guess...
1: I think he's coming more from a 50s, 60s classic rock and roll type background. Yeah, but I guess
2: even though Destroyer came out before this, it took them a year or two to shop this one around. This was actually probably written written before before, Destroyer or at the same time, Mm -hmm. right?
1: And uh, the guy's heart bursts out of his chest while it's still beating and flies away like a (laughs) bat out of hell.
2: (laughs) It sure does. And you know what else? He said that at six minutes, they were like, okay, so we're done here. And Jim Steinman's like, but no, I haven't even got to the car crash yet. And so then he wrote an extra three minutes of song. And I think that's what makes this record so good is things like that that he was like screw that i'm not done yet this six minute song is going to be almost 10 minute song because i haven't got to my car crash yet and that's the whole point of the song and so i think that that's what makes this record the way it is is because they were writing it for themselves you know, they were writing the record that they wanted to hear, and there probably wasn't much of a market for it. You know, that's well, it, why it took so long to, for them to find a label.
1: A, they couldn't get signed, first of all. Mm-hmm. Todd Rundgren is the only person that had any interest. Did they not say that it was paid for on his dime, and then he yeah. just signed them to his label, which was a part of, I think, Epic? Is that what it said? Epic Records? And even then, they had a hard time getting it out, and it took a long time for it to sort of hit in the States anyway. But the motorcycle sound is Todd Rundgren on guitar. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, Bang and track. Uh, what's up next?
2: Up next is you took the words right out of my mouth. summer nights oh my
1: goodness i gotta say the spoken word beginning i hate it i've never i don't think i've ever hated anything more <laughs> than the spoken word <laughs> intro to this track
2: well this is my tune on this record this is my number one
1: yeah once the spoken word intro is over i really like the song it yeah. sounds like uh it's very bruce springsteen
2: yeah a hundred percent but that like on hot summer, summer night
3: would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses
1: no
2: I dig it. It's so dramatic. Oh, the drama. I don't like it. I love it. And and even as a little kid, I think like I knew that it was weird, you know, and it was a bit like spooky. It's
1: weird. I'm 44 and it's weird.
2: (laughs) Well, it's still weird. But then at the end when he's like,
1: I bet you say that to all the boys.
2: Then it just like switched for me, even as a little kid. I'm like, oh, this is something different. This is like flirty and like sexy. But I didn't really know what flirty and sexy meant. Mm -hmm. I just knew that there was something different about it then and I was on board.
1: Yeah. If I had to say I had favorites on the record, this would be one of them. I like this song.
2: Yeah, this song rules. This song's like teenage love, you know, and that's what Jim Steinman did so well is he captured teenage love and teenage like passion and tension like he chooses words like boy and girl and like he's never writing about being a man you know he's writing about being a boy like very literally it's interesting i love the hand claps at the end i love that the hand claps lead into a fade out it's great i love it
1: next up we've got a beautiful ballad called heaven can wait
2: heaven can Heaven can wait's great. It's lovely. Did you like it?
1: Yeah, I mean it's I don't know if I'll ever listen to it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it. I think the best part is that All Revved Up comes up next. And it like is such a like a lovely, a lovely song, and then just All Revved Up just blasts us next. Yeah.
1: All Revved Up sounds like uh, the theme to Saturday Night Live. Ready? Listen. It's Saturday Night Live <laughs> with Dan Aykroyd. Rob Schneider, musical guest, Grand Funk Railroad, and your host, that's... Spiro Agnew. I don't know, but anyways. Who? That's, that really sounds Who's like...
2: Spear Spiro Agnew?
1: Spiro Agnew was the vice president. Of what? Of the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Spiro Agnew.
2: Spiro Agnew? Uh,
1: it's Wikipedia time.
2: When you choose want the facts. <laughs> 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 ah, that's funny.
1: Spiro Theodore Agnew was the 39th vice president of the United States of America, serving from 69 until his resignation in 1973. He is the second and most recent vice president to resign the position, the other being John C. Calhoun in 1832. Who doesn't know that?
2: Well, color me silly. Uh, I didn't know.
1: Unlike Calhoun, Agnew resigned as a result of a scandal. Anyway, it sounds like Saturday Night Live theme.
2: Yes, it does. I think you missed a big opportunity there, though. Meatloaf should have been the musical guest.
1: That's a little too on the nose. Is it? Yeah. All Revved up. Good song. I like it. I like this one as well. Yep.
2: If you were to talk to my brother Bill, he would tell you that all revved up, like that's my dad. Like that's, he's like, if I had to pick one song to like symbolize dad, it would be all revved up. And uh, it's true. I agree. I can, I hear that song and I hear my dad singing along. I think that was his tune. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I also remember singing All Dressed Up, but Nowhere to Go when I was little. And I remember my dad correcting me, but laughing all the time. And so I always still sang All Dressed Up because I knew. Knew that it made him laugh and mm-hmm. I think he thought it was pretty cute so yeah. I just kept doing it all the time. And I even catch myself now still singing all dress up. I'm like that's not the words.
1: <laughs> Next in line is two out of three ain't bad. I want you I want-
2: What a song this is. I love it. I know you don't like love songs, but
1: man, this song. Ah, nah, this one's all right. Th- th- this is the thing about this album is that it's just you have to just go along for the ride.
0: Yeah. It's
1: so bombastic. It's super corny, mm-hmm. but it's fun. Like I I like listening to it because it's yeah. like uh, it's overblown. It's mm-hmm. like you can you can get into the spirit of it. Yeah. And this is definitely a song that you can get into the spirit of. I always sing along with this when you play it. Yeah. I change the lyrics. I don't want to share what I changed them you to. You shouldn't. No. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I like this one. And, and you know what? The reason that he hurts this lady in the song is because he's been hurt.
2: I know. He had
1: a woman say those words to him. Yep. I want you. I need you. But there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. I know. It's so. It's really sad. Jim people, and Loaf, they know. They've been hurt.
2: People hurt because they've been hurt. Yeah. You know? Loaf's
1: been burnt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get it?
2: <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anyway. Um. Next up.
1: But wait. Oh, I'm sorry.
2: In the classic records.
1: Classic albums. Oh, my God.
2: God, I can't get it right. In classic albums, it's a pretty funny part when Todd Rundgren, I can't say Todd Rundgren Neither can I, I have a really hard time saying that name, yeah. When Todd Rundgren says that he's just happy that there's so much humor because it's the only way he could have got through recording this record. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he stepped up to the plate and pulled it off. It sounds great. Oh, it's
2: amazing. Well,
1: that's what they said. Todd Rundgren. We're just going to call him Todd Todd Rimrum. So can we change his name? They said themselves that Todd Rimrun is the only guy who got it. Yeah. Because like they, they didn't want to send demos out because they wanted, um, according to Jim Steinman and Meatloaf, seeing them visually do it, seeing Meatloaf sing these songs is the only way to really understand it. So they would go around and play these songs for yeah. record company people. And everyone was just like, what are you guys doing? Well, and, and that guess- was
2: probably part of it too. I think if they were just sending out demos, they probably would have had better luck.
1: No, because the record was completed and they, the record company still didn't like it. No one liked it.
2: Well, this was just to get a producer.
1: No, that was trying them to trying to get signed. They were trying to get a record deal, going around and playing, and then they just happened to play it for Todd Rundgren, oh, Rimrod.
2: Todd Rundgren. You also have a hard time with Steinman. Why? What did I say? You keep saying Steinman.
1: That's how you say it, isn't it? Steinman. Steinman. <laughs> but anyway, I don't, I, I, we lost our train of thought there. But great song, great guys, Meatloaf, wonderful. Next up is the classic, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. <laughs>
2: You know, this song has been played at every wedding, every... Dagando, every everything and i'll never get sick of it i love it i sing my little heart out this whole record i sing my little heart out yeah. but good golly i sing my little heart out with this song it's fun it's super fun it's a classic teenage car sex song who can't relate who hasn't had classic teenage car sex
1: um i feel like there's gonna be a few listeners out there that never got the chance
2: <laughs> to have teenage car sex yeah i feel bad for them yeah Let's maybe we kind should kind of write a of passage
1: yeah sorry if that never happened for you it's not <laughs> it's it's overrated Believe me.
2: I thought it was kind of fun.
1: This is another record where the bass playing really stands out. And uh, when it gets to that point in the song where they switch to the baseball announcer doing Mm -hmm. the play-by-play, it is baseball, right? Yeah. Yeah. The bass playing gets real tasty in there. Here's a clip. That guy's tearing up the fretboard. He's a major rager on the four-string mother effer.
2: You know, I always joked that I was well into my 20s before I knew this song wasn't about baseball.
1: Ah, ha 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 hmm Somebody wasn't having teenage Oh, I up.
2: was. I just wasn't listening to Meatloaf about it, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, good song. Epic. hmm Classic. Classic rock radio staple. You've heard it before, and you'll hear it again. Yeah. Surprisingly, there's only seven songs on the record, well, it's not surprising because the songs are so long, but the last song on the record is called For Crying Out Loud. Another uh, piano and voice ballad that eventually just crescendos and just becomes a larger-than-life rock and roll bonanza. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's cool. Again, fun to listen to.
2: Yeah, I like it. You get
1: in the spirit of it.
2: It's a nice way to end the record.
1: I have a lyric that stood out to me in this song. And that lyric is, Oh, I know you belong inside my aching heart, and can't you see my faded Levi's bursting apart?
2: Oh, my.
1: So I think... It's one of three things. Mm-hmm. Are they busting apart because they're so old, they're faded, they're falling apart at the seams? Is mm-hmm. that what he's talking about? Or is it because he has an... Ar- uh, a, 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 yes, an ar- I think that's what it is. That's what it is? Or has Meatloaf just gained a lot of weight? <laughs> is it the penis thing?
2: I think it's the okay. maybe the, the growing penis thing.
1: Well, if you're out there and you've been wondering all these years uh, what that lyric and for Crying Out Loud is about, you heard it here first, it's about his erect penis.
2: Yeah, we can't ask Jim Steinman anymore. I think we should mention that Mr. Steinman's no longer with us. He just died in April Mm -hmm. at uh, 73 years old.
1: Yeah, that's too bad. Rest in peace, Mr. Jim Steinman. Mm -hmm. I said it right. Nice job.
2: Can we uh, mention some other songs he's written?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Like Making Love Out of Nothing at All by Air Supply. Holy really? smokes! I didn't know that. I love that song. That song, another one that I'm belting at the top of my lungs every time I listen to it, which is often. Yeah,
1: that's when I go mow the lawn. Well, whether yeah. it needs it or not.
2: <laughs> Also in the car when you're not around. Like mm-hmm. that's a car song if I've ever heard one. Also for uh, Bonnie Tyler, he wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. I knew that. And Holding Out for a Hero. I knew
1: that too. What? Yeah, those are uh, those are crazy tunes.
2: Those are crazy tunes. Yeah.
1: What else did he write?
2: Well, he also wrote It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion.
1: Uh, I don't know if I know that one.
2: <laughs> I know it. I know it really well, but I know it from working in a record store that Celine uh. Dion record went flying off the shelves and we had to listen to it all the time. But it's a tune. Like, it was a big anthem.
1: Let's take a listen to it. I can recall, but it's all coming back to no, I don't like that. <laughs> no? No.
2: No. Well, no. I mean, I didn't say that it was like... Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to put it on, but I mean, it's a way to go. Way to go, Jim Steinman. Did
1: you know that Jim Steinman was the original producer of Def Leppard's Hysteria?
2: I did. Did I know that? Was that on, was that covered on their Classic Albums episode?
1: It's covered in the Hysteria version of Classic Albums, Uh but it was also in the uh, Animal Instinct Deaf Leopard biography book that I had in grade six. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. Robert John Mutt Lang was not available. Yeah. So they went with Jim Steinman. Right. And uh, I guess it went horribly.
2: Right. And oh, then, I uh, do. It's all coming back to me now.
0: And it's so cool.
1: Then Mutt was available, and uh, Jim Steinman went the way of the Dodo. Mm-hmm. So uh, big ups to Mutt Lang and the boys in Def Leopard and uh, their multi-million selling album, Hysteria.
2: Yeah, that's a great one. Again, if you're if you're looking for something to watch, highly recommend classic albums, albums. There you go. on
1: Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. If you had much more music in the 90s and the early 2000s they always showed classic albums on there i'm sure you know the show we're talking about but if you want to watch it again all episodes are available on prime and it's a it's a great show it's just fun to watch even if it's a record that you're not familiar with or even a band you don't like Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to hear the stories and see the process if you're into that kind of stuff so check that out well have we had our fill of loaf
2: i think we have i um love this record i will never stop loving this record i will never stop singing this record and as much as i love it today and i love it now i also love that i'm warped back in time when i put it on and i'm i'm with my dad you know i'm a little girl hanging out with my dad and our little townhouse on Lime Ridge, and I love that about it too I love that about music in general so um I guess happy father's day to my dad do you want to move on sure what do we got up next
1: oh something real special so I think we're going to talk about my dad now David Roy Dunham Uh, I am named after him and uh he was uh he was an all-around good dude I loved my dad. Mm-hmm. I miss my dad. He's been gone for 10 years now, which is hard to believe. It really went by in a wink of an eye, that's for sure. doesn't feel like it was 10 years ago. But um, If you listen to our Nashville episode, we took some of my dad's ashes to Nashville and spread them at the uh, Ryman Auditorium, the yeah. original, original Grand Ole Opry. Check that episode out. Actually, let's, uh, I'll tell you what that episode is right now. That's episode three uh nashville we talk about uh, that a surf show we saw live and a whole bunch of other stuff and uh yeah i spread some of my dad's ashes and it's uh it's a nice little episode i think you'll enjoy it but my dad was uh definitely into music huge country fan played guitar was really into bluegrass. loved buddy holly actually when i texted my brothers asking them for their suggestions of records that remind them of dad my older brother mike said uh willie nelson stardust he said the Eagles remind him of our dad. My brother Mark said uh, Buddy Holly, Patsy Klein. He said Traveling Wilburys as well. And Mark also said Julio Iglesias. My dad was really <laughs> into really into julio in the early 80s nice but he also liked you know he liked acdc he liked uh i remember when i was a kid we had to go to three or four different record stores because my dad became obsessed with the song wango tango by ted nugent Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we had to find the we had to find the vinyl album of scream dream that wango tango's on i remember my dad one morning it was early my mike would have been asleep so my dad cranked wango tango at top volume to like get Mike to wake up. So, you know, he liked everything. Do you remember in the early 90s when the Ministry song NWO was used in, I think it was Molson Ice commercial? Do you yeah. remember that? My dad kind of became obsessed uh, with that song. He's like, what is that? I'm like, it's Ministry. He's like, do you have that on CD? I was like, yeah. I think then he heard the rest of the album and was, was like, like eh, Not yeah, for this, me. This is not for me. <laughs> the record I chose to do today is uh, Traveling Wilburys volume one. This record just seemed to always be on for a few years when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So we had a gym at our house, uh, the back building behind my parents' house. In the early 80s, my dad converted it into a gym. Uh, free weights, cardio machines, stuff like that. Because my dad was a hockey coach. He owned the junior team uh, in Dunville called the Terriers. So he was just into conditioning and fitness and exercise. And kids from all over town would come work out at our house. But this album was just always in there on the crappy boombox we had. There was always just like three or four or five sort of demolished CDs that were out there. And Traveling wilburys was just always there. So we always listened to it. If I worked out with my dad, it was Woolberries. Other stuff made the rounds, but like Woolberries was a staple. So I just just love this record it really reminds me of my father and uh working out in the gym at my parents house and it just reminds me of that time the late 80s early 90s you know looking back now a much simpler time for me so sure i don't know i just hear this record and i think about my dad and it's a great record to boot like i I actually really love the record and and always have so that's about it that's that's the record we're going to do did you want to talk about it now
2: yeah let's do it hey robin yeah dave
1: what time do you work tomorrow uh
2: like when I get out of bed. Probably like I don't know, 7?
1: You start work at 7?
2: Well, I just start like whenever I get out of bed. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Why? Um. Well, there's a time for work, and there's a time for play. Mm-hmm. And then there's a time for say it with me. Wikipedia. When you choose what uh. the uh. Traveling Wilburys, sometimes shortened to The Wilburys, were an English-American supergroup consisting of Bob Dylan... George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, and Tom Petty. Originating from an idea discussed by Harrison and Lynne during the sessions for Harrison's 87 album Cloud Nine, the band formed in April of 1988 after the five members united to record a bonus track for Harrison's next European single. When this collaboration, handled With Care, was deemed too good for such a limited release, the band agreed to record a full album titled Traveling Wilburys Volume 1. Following Orbison's death in December of 88, the Wilburys released a second album, which they titled Traveling Wilburys Volume 3 in 1990 see what they did there mm-hmm. and the album we're doing today is traveling wilburys volume one it's the debut studio album it was released in april no it was released in october 88 to commercial success and critical acclaim although harrison had long planned to start such a band the project came about through happenstance the superest the most super of what super groups
2: a super group isn't that crazy is. yeah
1: so unfortunately roy orbison died shortly after the release of this record mm-hmm. and the crazy thing is Roy Orbison, when he died, was only 52 years old. He had a hard life, Roy. So I'm not going to get into him now, but if you want to go to Wikipedia and read about Roy, he had some very um, tragic and horrific things happen to him. Um, They obviously must have taken a toll. So unfortunately, he passed in 88 when he was 52, and they did do a second record without Roy. Uh, It's not quite as good. This first album is definitely top to bottom. uh, Pretty excellent. So let me take a look at that there. If you're able to get your hands on the record, the liner notes are actually written by Michael Palin from Monty Python. Do you know I that? I know,
2: our, our old friend Michael Palin. Yeah,
1: so uncredited. Well, credited to Hugh Hugh Jampton, E.F. Nor... Nor <laughs> well, I'm not going to try to read the name. It's ridiculous. But yeah, Michael Palin wrote the liner notes. They're quite hilarious. Yeah, check that out. So the first song on the record is the song that they originally recorded to be a B-side to one of George Harrison's songs. It's called Handle With Care.
0: Reputations change
1: That is a great song. It's amazing. That Jeff Lynne production is so rich and just has that sound. And it just makes me happy. It's a nice... It's a great song.
2: It's a really great song. I love the back of the record with their five guitars, like their five guitar cases. Like Mm -hmm. it's just the whole record, like with the five of them, it's just... And I know we've already said it, like, what a super group. But for real, for these five guys to be making music together, like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of deal. Yeah, it really You was. know? Of course, they wrote a song, like, Handle With Care, like... Mm-hmm. How could they not?
1: They were just friends. It's that's what happens when you're that good and that famous. Your friends are other awesome people.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And for George Harrison, um, like from what I've read, interviews with Tom Petty and stuff, and and other like when you watch the Tom Petty, um, the movie. I forget what the Tom Petty movie's called.
0: Running Down a Dream is a 2007 documentary film about Tom Petty and the
1: Heartbreakers.
2: And the Bob Dylan movie.
1: No Direction Home is a 2005 documentary film that traces the the life of Bob
2: Dylan because they're both um, made by. <laughs> I don't remember words.
1: Is it Martin Scorsese?
2: Yes, they're both made Scorsese by Scorsese.
1: Makes both of those.
2: Yes. Oh. oh no, he doesn't make the Tom Petty.
1: It's isn't it Peter Bogdano- Bogdanovich? Bogdanovich. He does makes the t- Tom Petty. He does the Petty one. Does he do that? Yes, he does.
2: Oh, my God, guys. I don't know. I don't know why I have a podcast. I don't I don't know why anyone listens to anything that comes out of my mouth. But both of those movies are four hours long. And the George Harrison one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's George Harrison. Whatever it's called.
1: <laughs> George Harrison, living in the material world is a 2011 documentary film directed by Martin Scorsese based on the life of George Harrison.
2: and Bob Dylan, whatever that one's called, made by Martin Scorsese. Okay. But the interviews, they both talk about the Traveling Wilburys, and in the Tom Petty one, he talks about the Traveling Wilburys. Anyway, there's lots of Traveling Wilbury footage in all three of those movies. And... Tom Petty talks about how it was George Harrison's baby, right? Like George Harrison wanted to put the band together. And when you think about how much money George Harrison had, like to be that famous and have that much money and that like you could do whatever you wanted, Mm -hmm. which then goes back to him being friends with the Monty Python Python, guys, because we just finished watching that Monty Python documentary. What's it called? I don't have any idea.
1: Monty Python, Almost the Truth Lawyer's Cut is a 2009 television documentary series in six parts that covers 40 years of the surreal comedy group Monty
2: Python. They needed funding for the movie and he was just like I love your movies. I'll fund it. Yeah. And he like paid for it to be made.
1: It was their first movie so he liked the show enough that he said oh I, I'm going to pay for it because I want to see it. Right. So. Which is a bit crazy. Yeah. He was uh, he was just a radical dude with a radical uh, way of doing things.
2: Yeah. So anyway the story goes that George Harrison had to go pick up his guitar from Tom Petty's house and was like hey we're making this song. Why don't you come be in it? And Tom he was like yeah cool that sounds good and then they went over to Bob Dylan's garage where they were recording it <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, when you're in that world and that's your every day, that's yeah, just I guess what you it's do. Not nuts. You go to Tom Petty's house to get your guitar, and you go record at Bob Dylan's. We do that, just that none of us are famous. <laughs> none uh, of you
2: are Bob Dylan. I or go to Chris George Bell's Harrison. house to get my uh, guitar,
1: and then I go record at <laughs> Mitch's house. But yeah. no one knows who we are. But anyway, that resulted in "Handle with Care," which we just heard, and then that was the catalyst for the record. <laughs> mm-hmm. Song number two is "Dirty World." I love the end when they're all singing together and yeah. each, they each say a quirky little line mm-hmm. and it's funny because at one point I think it's Petty goes just just bottled water bottled water because <laughs> like, I think at that point bottled water was like a new thing That's but uh, when I hear Dirty World I just see the gym I see the gym at my parents house yeah. it's a summer's day and we're in the gym punching the bag or we're outside hitting a log with a sledgehammer which we did quite a bit right uh, it just puts me right back there so I love this record it really makes me think of my dad mm-hmm. um, the thirst song is rattled i think this is the only song that jeff lynn sings a full lead on i mean if that's not jeff lynn I'll be a monkey's uncle. At Reaction Brats Pod, let us know if it's not. I like Rattled. It's kind of a throwback. It's kind of a 50s yeah. rock and bop. I like it too. Yeah, it's really, really great. Next one's Last Night. Last night. Talking about last night. I
0: asked her
3: to marry me. She
0: smiled. Pulled out a knife. The party at the beginning, she said...
2: That's just one of those songs that gets stuck in your head. Once it's on, it's in there for the day.
1: Yeah, and the best part of last night is the parts where Roy Orbison sings. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the greatest parts of the song. Speaking of Roy,
2: not alone anymore. What a tune! <laughs>
1: Gonna say it's the best song on the record but holy cow is that great Roy it's a tune Orbison had the voice of an angel man who mm-hmm. fell to earth and sang his angel songs for people
2: he sings them like he means them you know yeah
1: just an unbelievable voice it's yeah an, it's crazy his voice is crazy yeah uh and that's the end of side one and we're going to flip her over for the first song congratulations
0: Congratulations.
3: my heart congratulations
1: it all apart.
0: Congratulations.
1: I like congratulations.
2: I think it's fine.
1: I'm going to say something blasphemous. What? I don't like Bob Dylan's voice. I like d- ever? I don't know. Hmm. I know Dylan's the guy that I'm supposed to like. To be honest, I don't know really much about his music. I mean, I know what I've heard, but nothing's ever grabbed me. And I know that's, you're not supposed to say that. Everyone's supposed to love Bob Dylan, but I just, uh, you know what's funny? Prittle. Bill Preto, who used to be in Donvale, would always play me Dylan in the car on the way to gigs or on the way home from picking him up in Toronto, blah, blah, blah. He would always try to play me Dylan. And I was just like, yeah, it's cool. It sounds, sounds cool. But it's just, I don't know. It's like, I think it's like uh, the closest comparison for me is like, it's like people who don't like Rush because they don't like Geddy Lee's voice. Yeah, that's I me. Mean. Yeah, well, there you go. Like, mm-hmm. you're not saying the songs are bad, just you can't get past the sound of this voice. And right. I think Dylan's like that for me. So
2: Have you watched No Direction Home? No. We got to watch that. What is that? That's the Bob Dylan movie. I just remembered what it was called. Thank you. Thank you. Can we just do a quick Google before we celebrate to make sure that's what it's called? We'll
1: be right back. (laughs) And what's the result of the search?
2: I was right. Woo! (laughs) My brain isn't complete mush.
1: Yeah, I'll watch that. Sure.
2: We, I, I love it. I've watch it. i watched it a bunch of times.
1: Hey, maybe it'll push me over the edge and I'll be a Dylan fan. I'm not saying that I don't like it. I just, th- nothing's ever grabbed me.
2: And I'm not trying to push him on you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm a super fan. I love No Direction Home. Yeah. And I watch that more often than I put his records on. Okay. You know?
1: Maybe on the day we release this podcast, maybe we'll do an Instagram, uh, Instagram, what are they called? Surveys? When you ask them a question, people yeah. give you an answer. We'll ask, uh, you know, what's your favorite Dylan, or what Dylan do you suggest for Dave? Maybe. Yeah. Let's. Uh, if you're re- if you're hearing this on uh, the Monday.
2: Like, what's your favorite record? Yeah, um,
1: we'll find out what people think I should listen to for Dylan. How do I get into Dylan? That's the question today.
2: People are gonna say Blood on the Tracks.
1: Or Blonde on Blonde. That's one too, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm up for it. Let mm-hmm. us know. Go to our Instagram and answer the question. Next up is Heading for the Light. I roll out, I Love this song. yeah this is up there with my this is one of my favorites this is georgie absolutely yeah it's so good the it's co- great i don't even know if it's, it's not the. i don't know what you would call that part of the song the it'd be cooler if i actually sang the lyrics but that whatever that part of the song is it's so great it just makes me want to kiss the sky hmm. you know
2: yeah you can kiss the record I,
1: i'll kiss it right now yeah this give thing big, give it a
2: big fat one <sighs> Ah, that was nice.
1: But I love that song. It's so good.
2: Another little story that I read is that after they did handle with care and it was a big hit, and they decided to make a record out of it, or after they decided that Handle with Care was going to be more than just a single. It was going to be a hit. And it was going to be a record. Yeah. I guess when they started recording, and they went to the guy from the Eurythmics, what's that guy's name?
1: Yeah, they recorded the bed tracks at Dave Stewart's house. Right.
2: Yeah. So I guess at the start of that, George Harrison turned to Bob Dylan and said, look, I know you're Bob Dylan. Like... We all look up to you, but we're just going to try to be...
1: Just we're going to treat you like one of the guys. Yeah, we're going to treat
2: you like one of the guys. We're going to be all equals. Like, this is coming from George Harrison. Yeah. He was George Harrison. Do you think that, like, Bob Dylan was a bit of a dick, maybe? No, I
1: want to... That's the thing. There's no context when you read that on Wikipedia. Yeah. I'm sure if you were there in the room, it doesn't sound as harsh as it sounds when you're just reading it.
2: See, but the way I read it, it sounded nicer. When I'm saying it, it sounds like Bob Dylan was a dick. But when I'm saying it... Or it sounds like George
1: Harrison was being a dick. Oh. Because then and Dylan's like, oh, I, I feel the same way. I look up at all you guys, so let's just have some fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you'd have to be in the room to really know the intent of uh, what he was saying with that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You're in a room with Roy Orbison as Jeff Lynne's hero. Yeah. Harrison chose Dylan. You're in a room with like gods. I'm sure it was the weirdest for Tom Petty. He's the youngest. He probably yeah. grew up listening to certainly Roy Orbison yeah. and the Beatles. And George Harrison. And, yeah, and, and ELO were huge before Tom Petty was anything. Like for yeah. him, it must have just been like holy cow look where i am like what was going through his head Yep. lucky duck
2: he's also the new hot shot right
1: uh all the literature says that this record reinvigorated his career yeah and roy orbison's career and bob dylan yeah so i guess tom petty was in a downturn when this record was made so Hmm. interesting stuff the next song is margarita this song's funny because the opening to me sounds like a training montage
2: like a what montage like
1: it's a training montage music oh You know chariots of fire yeah like rocky starting to train (laughs) for the big fight right it's a weird little song it kind of has a bunch of different feels but i i really like it
2: yeah i like it too
1: the second last song is tweeter and the monkey man i prefer the headstones version i don't know about you headstones have a version of this yeah, you haven't heard that it was no. like it was always on uh classic rock radio when we were younger um, tweeter and the monkey man they do like a sort of souped up rockin' version of it
2: oh i don't remember that
1: yeah it's not really worth re- oh, i shouldn't say that's not nice to say um I, headstones are fine uh cool song it's got a cool little story to it google it and read the lyrics it involves drug deals and undercover cops and people getting shot and cool it's an interesting little little ditty and the last song on the record is end of the line ending with a classic.
0: Well, it's all-
1: This song's great. Or a lot of fun to play on the guitar. I don't know if you remember, but one day at the old condo, me and the kids were playing this. Yeah, I do remember. They were singing along. I, I don't think they know it. Do they know it?
2: Uh, I would have played this a bunch of times. They, I don't know if they know it like well. Think- they would have heard it. Is this the video after Roy Orbison had died, yeah, yes. and they just show his guitar for his? Yeah, a, I don't think on a rocking chair. Yeah. yeah, that's sad.
1: It is sad, but uh, I mean, they got to make this record together and it's yeah. uh, 30 years ago. Well, Christ, longer, 33 years old. That's crazy. That is crazy. We are old.
2: And on that note, I know that we've talked about this before, but I'm bringing it up again. It was a tweet by comedian Neil Brennan. Yeah. This isn't funny, but it says, was talking with friend about how impossibly old the traveling Wilburys seemed when they released their music in 1988. I've listed their ages at the time. For some perspective, three of them are no longer alive. Enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. Oh, God. And then it says, Bob Dylan, 47. Jeff Lynne, 41. What? What? yeah,
1: Jeff Lynn was 41? forty-one in nineteen
2: eighty-eight. Wait a second,
1: let me think about that. Yeah, I guess he would have been.
2: So Jesus. we're older now. Tom Petty was thirty-seven. What? Roy Orbison was fifty-two. And George Harrison was 45.
1: George Harrison was only only 45 years old.
2: I'm turning 45 yeah. in like a few months.
1: I'll be 45 next year and, and what have we done?
2: They still look all of them every single one of them still look older yeah, to like me look than at, we are now. I look
1: at all those dudes and just think yeah, those guys look older than I do mm-hmm. but maybe they don't. Maybe we have a distorted view of how we look.
2: Or maybe they just had a harder life than we did. Well I think everybody
1: did. I think that's just the standard of living goes up you know, exponentially. So they were
2: living rock and roll.
1: They're all drinking, smoking, doing drugs. Yeah. Doing who knows what. Yeah. So that might have something to do with it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how old they were. But it is crazy to look back and think that they're younger by a few years than we are now.
2: It does put things (laughs) into perspective, doesn't it?
1: I got to start making my beats. Yep. (laughs) No matter what Robin
2: says. (laughs) I like your
1: beats. Yeah, I bet. I love you. I love you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That brings us to the end of the episode. Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell, Traveling Mulberries Volume One. Like these are records that remind us of our dads. Yeah. I hope you participated in our Instagram questions this weekend. I'd like to know what everyone listens to to remind them of their fathers
2: yeah and if you still have your dad around i hope that you um had a good day with him yesterday and if you are a dad or a stand-in dad or a stepdad or a you know, a big a father brother. figure, an yeah, uncle. A father figure, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever you are. That's an important role, and I hope that you had a good day and that you were appreciated and that you felt some love. Amen.
1: And mm-hmm. you know what? We're going to go out on something a little crazy. I think I'm going to take us out with Wango Tango from The Nuge.
2: <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah let's do That's it. It's a crazy song. See you next time. Bye. All right.